But now we're going to jump on to session six. Look how good we're doing. Y'all excited? Yeah, we're going to talk about empowering our core to ministry. We're moving through those circles and we're going down now to the core. One day, Napoleon pointed to the map of China and he said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes, it will shake the world. I believe the church is a sleeping giant. I really do. I believe this church is a church waking up, waking up for ministry, waking up for revival, waking up for revitalization. The fame of what Jesus is doing in this family is rippling across Texas. Why is that true? And our influence is rippling across Texas. And it's not because of me or Wyatt or Dan or Scott or Joe or Tom or any of our other wonderful team. It's not because of that. It's because Jesus is working in our lives, in our lives. Jesus is working at Gary Job Corps. Did y'all know that? We had like 38 kids from Gary Job Corps last Sunday up here, and there were almost 38 different kids. I think our reach is probably about 70 or 80 kids who are coming in and out of our influence. Well, there are 1,300 kids down there. I think all of them need to get saved. What do y'all think? I think everyone that goes down there ought to get saved. What do you think? Wouldn't it be amazing if there were thousands of kids saved through the ministry that we're doing at Gary Job Corps? And we're doing this. We're bringing to our gatherings that we have people going there and leading our groups, leading groups. So it's amazing. So empower you to minister. Every member is a ministry, is a minister. Teach the biblical basis for volunteer ministries. Four pillars of volunteer ministries. Here they are. Every believer is a minister. You all are ministers. You're not all pastors, but you're all ministers. A ministry, a minister without a job is unemployed, so you need a job. Number two, every ministry is important. Number three, they are different, they are dependent on each other. There's no ministry that is siloed. Listen, there's no ministry that's more important than any other. Y'all got that? All of them matter. Is preaching more important than taking care of kids? No. No. We don't want them kids in here. <laughs> they need to be out there with Joyce and Tara. We don't need to be in here. Melinda, she can go watch them kids. We got 10 billion of them, okay? Actually, I love those children. Number four, ministry is an expression of your shape. S-H-A-P-E. We're going to cover this very fast. That's an acrostic. Of course, Tom, when we teach it in Spanish, shape doesn't work, does it? We have to say forma. And, and uh, there's a lot of things that we teach this in Spanish has to be changed. This is one. Shape stands for this. Your spiritual gift is S. What has God given you in your spiritual giftedness? In our step up and serve class, we give you a spiritual gift inventory so you can recognize your spiritual gift. Your H is your heart. What are you really passionate about? What do you care about? What makes your heart beat fast? Because God has given you a spiritual gift that he's given to you at salvation. He will line it up with your passion. He'll line it up with your passion. You know, I love quipping and teaching and, and speaking to pastors and groups and organizations. I love that. I get life from it. But I also have the spiritual gift of preaching and teaching and leadership. It's amazing. God has shaped me for this. My uh, SHA is my ability. What abilities do we have? What abilities 
do, do we have? What God-given abilities, what learned abilities do you have? Can God use those abilities for his glory? Absolutely, absolutely. And they're not siloed. You only have one life. You don't have a work life, a home life, a church life. You only have one life. What abilities can you, can you use? Your P is your personality. Are you outgoing and gregarious? Are you strong-willed and are you a leader? Are you shy but loving? Are you organized and systematic? Systematic. Now, what kind of personality? You know, in, in that class, we give you a personality uh, test where you, we ask if you're a lion, a beaver, an otter, or a golden retriever. You guys heard me teach on that. You see me pull out my puppets and talk about the lion, strong-willed, and let's go. I'm a lion. I am. And, and, and beavers are systematic and organized. Dean is a beaver. Dean, wave your hand. You're, you're a beaver. See, he's a beaver back there. He's taking notes and make sure all the blanks are filled in. He's corrected the typos. He's, he's done all of those things. Yeah, and he's watching the time. He's like all of those things, okay? That's a beaver. That's wonderful. I'm not a beaver. My wife is a beaver, but she's also a lion. She's a lion who's in charge, and she wants to make sure she's in charge of what's in charge, and what's in charge of is organized. That's why she's a kindergarten teacher. But then maybe you're an otter. You just love everybody. I'm an otter too. Do y'all know that? Otters know everybody, just can't remember their names. <laughs> yeah, right, Johnny Wood? That's right, yeah. Or maybe you're a golden retriever. You're loving and caring, and you're sympathetic, and you're the prayer person. You're the, the nurturing person. And all of us are a combination of at least two of those things. But you know, Jesus was all four in perfect balance. All four in perfect balance. And your E is your experiences. I often think experiences trump the other ones. What educational, what spiritual, what, um, what hurtful, what painful experiences have you endured? Because God takes your misery and makes it a ministry. He takes your mess and makes a message. And so God uses all those things, your shape, your spiritual gift, your heart, your ability, your personality, your experience for his glory. So we need to help people learn those things and then help find them to streamline our organizational structure to maximize ministry and minimize maintenance and bureaucracy. So we want to maximize ministry and minimize maintenance and bureaucracy. We want to help people get plugged in. The most valuable thing people can give you is their time. The most valuable thing they can give you is their time. So we want to give them opportunities to give them time. So here's what we do. We want to provide on-the-job training. We don't want to bug, bog you down with a bunch of training. I was in a, a group study led by Leadership Network. There was about eight, eight churches from around North America. That's when I was in Canada. And we were talking about creating a, a, a leadership pipeline in our church. And I remember talking to one church. They had a leadership pipeline. It took you seven years, seven years before you could lead a ministry. Seven years. And I'm thinking, you need seven minutes. Just a conversation. If you come to me and say you got a ministry, guess what? You go get to lead it. Some of y'all have found that out the hard way, haven't you? Yeah, but that's awesome. To, to release people. So provide on-the-job training and, and release people. Trust people to lead. We'll talk more about that in a second. Never start a ministry without a leader. If it doesn't have a leader, it's not a ministry. It's usually a mess. The most critical factor in new ministry startup is not the idea, 
but the leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Trust God's timing. Never force a ministry. Trust God's timing. Never force a ministry. Establish minimum standards and guidelines. Don't bury people with procedures and committees. They're going, uh, are we going to structure the church for control or growth? You can't do both. You can't do both. Now, I want to say this to you. We have a leadership covenant. If you're going to lead a ministry, we want you to sign a commitment of behaviors. This is how you're going to act. Why do we do that? We have, we have actually three covenants. We have a membership covenant or membership agreement. We have a leadership agreement. And then we have a staff agreement. Because the expectations rise at each one of these levels. Our staff sign a stringent covenant. And our leaders and our organizational leaders like ALT, deacons, uh, the stewardship team, finance team, uh, those nominating team, they sign a higher level of commitment. Our ALT signs the same commitment that the staff, the advisory leadership team, that the staff, it's called a, a call of excellence. A call of excellence. And what that does is shows us clear expectations. The call of excellence has four pages, y'all. Four pages that I actually stole and rewrote from a denomination that I liked. It's called research, right? Scholarship, scholarship. So we're going to structure for controller growth. You can't do both. Allow people to quit or change ministries gracefully without guilt. Some of y'all would like to try something, but you're afraid if you go there, you'll get stuck there forever. Don't you? Some of y'all think, well, uh, you know, I might want to try to work with kids, but if I know go, I go over and work with kids, I'll be working with kids till I'm 155. So we have to give people an opportunity to step in and step out gracefully. Sometimes you have to try things. You're just not good at them. You think you might like it, but you should learn you hate it. And that's okay. Move on to something else. Find something else. Find something else. So give them freedom to do three things. Examine, experiment, and exercise. And then provide the support that's needed. Material support, keep ministries supplied. Communication support, keep ministries informed. Promotional support, keep our ministries visible. Keep our ministries visible. Moral support, keep our ministries encouraged. Now, one thing I want to say about promotional support, this is kind of interesting. I love it that our leaders are passionate about their ministry. But here's a pitfall. We've got so many ministries going on. It's so many things. And you think that your ministry is the most important thing in the world. And you'll come to me and you say, hey, I need blah, 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 blah. And I can do what I can only do. And if I don't do everything you want me to do, you get mad at me. Well, y'all, I got a lot of irons in the fire. And so what we need to learn to understand is that we're all in this together. Together. And I love all my children. And some of y'all are special needs. And we have to love y'all a little more. <laughs> I wasn't looking at you till now, Paul. That's right. And so it's that ministry has to be self-promoting and self-invigorating. Appeals for support from the pulpit, don't, they don't work. They don't work. Personal invitation works. Come with me. Serve with me. Come check this out with me. Come join me. That works. 
Recruitment personally works. Keep ministries encouraged. Delegate authority and responsibility. Trust people. When I talk to pastors, this is one thing I really have to camp out on. Trust your people to do ministry. They may not do it the same way you do it, but it's okay. It's okay. They might do it better. That's even more okay. That's more okay. Key to motivating is ownership. People have to own it. They feel responsible for it. I know our ladies who work at the hospitality area, Norma Jean and your team, I'm not going to go back and tell y'all what to do. I won't come back in to eat what you're doing, but I ain't going to tell you what to do because you do a great job. I'm not going to tell the coffee people what to do. I'm not going to tell the ushers or the greeters what to do. I'm not going to tell the deacons what to do. I'm going to encourage you, though. We're going to walk together. Now, if you're doing something crazy, I'm going to try to correct you. But we're in this together. How to bring about the best in others. Give them a challenge, give them control, and give them credit. Give them a challenge, give them control, and give them credit. That always keep the vision before them. You guys have to always remember we exist. Everything we do is about Jesus and how we become like him. We exist to build lives that honor God all for Jesus. So the Nehemiah principle is this. Vision must be renewed every 26 days. Now I want to pray for us. Let me pray. I look out on these people and I believe that you have called many of them today to a new awareness of what you want them to do with their lives. Help us each to discover how you've uniquely shaped us and that you don't want us to be anybody else but who we are. You want us to be who you made us to be and that you will use and shape with the right target, with the right people and the right purpose to reach the right people for your glory. And I pray that we would release me to lead and to feed And I pray that we would release our leaders in this room to do ministry, that the body of Christ may be built up and that God's people may grow in God's word and reach the people that Jesus died for. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's some personal exercises at the end of this you could do. And now we're at chat, we're on session seven. We might make it.